Okay, in Parshas Chayisara that you all read yesterday, or we hope you at least listened to, the Torah Dosha describes the way Yitzchak and Rivka interacted, and I want to garner three lessons for our marriage. Hashem. I want to talk about Shalom Bayis. And if you'll ask me why would I talk about Shalom Bayis now, no one... Again, I don't know who's going out with somebody who's not. But leaving that aside, that's not the subject for tonight, I, I already, I do feel that uh, it is important for, uh, for, start, for us to start planting the seed now about Inyanim in Shalom Bayis. So let's take a look at one pasuk, famous pasuk. Vayviyel Yitzchak ala sar imo, vayikach es rivka vatilo liisha vayavel, vayinochem Yitzchak achare imo. Torah Dosha tells us that after Yitzchak had brought Sar Rivka to his tent, so then notice the order. And then he loved her. Now I have to tell you that what I want to share with you tonight is something that I myself didn't understand. I actually knew my wife a little bit more than the average time that a person knows their wives before they got married, like happens to some guys from our background. And my rabbeim always used to emphasize to me that true love you can only appreciate after marriage. Says Rav Zalman Sarotskin, that's exactly what we have here in the Psukim. That the order is first they got married and then they fell in love. And Rizalman Sarotskin says, a lot of times, people who think that love comes first, usually they have a distorted image of what love really is. And I'll tell you, I didn't understand, not only did I not understand it before I got married, I, you know, the Chazal say, sometimes it takes 40 years until a person is able to understand what his Rabbi had said. But I think what was missing is my Rebbein didn't really explain to me why. And I want to discuss with you what is it about love and what is it about marriage that the only way one could really have full, full love is after marriage. What does that mean? There's a famous piece from Rav Dessler. Rav Dessler says that there are components of our existence that only come about through chesed. We only actualize certain things in our lives, and one of them is love through chesed. The root of ava, many of you have probably heard of this, the root of ava is have, is to give. Says Rav Dessler, until a person truly, truly gives, then they will not have an understanding of what true Ava is. Avas Nesuin only comes from absolute, absolute giving. In other words, it will only come if there's a giving of 24-7. And as much as a person thinks, as much as a person thinks that the chemistry is right, it's possible to have the right chemistry. And chemistry could be required before marriage. But don't confuse that with love. 
Love is the absolute giving that comes day in, day out, 24-7, when it's easy, when it's hard, and it's committed as a couple might be to each other before they're married, it doesn't come close. I could tell you from both sides of the fence, it doesn't come close to what Ava is. One of the things that I ask my Talmidim before, uh, when they get engaged, I ask them actually what some think is a strange question. I'm really happy with them, I dance with them. And usually I prefer to even ask this question before they get engaged, when I'm talking to them when they're dating. I ask them a very strange question. I don't ask what's good. You know what I ask? Tell me one of her shortcomings. And it's interesting. The Talmud who's able to tell me her shortcoming, so I listen to it, and 99.9% of the time I'm thinking to myself, great! Fantastic. Everybody has shortcomings. You have shortcomings, I have shortcomings. Every single human being has shortcomings. There's only one entity in the world that is perfect, and that is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There's no girl that's perfect, and there's no guy that's perfect. There's no Rebbe that's perfect. There's no Rosh Hashiva that's perfect. There's no monarch that's perfect. Only HaKadosh Baruch Hu is perfect. And so usually, when they tell me the shortcomings, she gets upset every once in a while. Okay, we have to talk about how do we deal with it. She's a little bit of a perfectionist. Okay. Now there are things that are real challenges every once in a while. But most of the time, great. Every once in a while I encounter a Talmud. He stops and he thinks. And the glow of his face begins to to ebb a little. And he says to me, I can't think of any shortcoming that she has. And I say, come back to me. Don't get engaged. So they come back to me and tell me a shortcoming. And the reason for that is ava and infatuation have to be entirely separated. Infatuation means that a person has certain dreams or certain images that are in their minds, and we've alluded to this already in the past in Parshish Lechlech, we spoke about this as well. We're coming now from a different angle. Certain perspectives that they have in their minds, which are often distort, entirely distorted from reality. Ava is not about a person thinking that someone else is perfect. Ava is a commitment that this is the person that I want to give and give and give to for the rest of my life. Now, Rabosai, let me share with you one of the most humorous pieces that I've ever seen. It's not for me. I don't have a sense of humor. Every once in a while, my students tell me, tell me that I have a sense of humor. And my children say, what? Abba, you have a, you're so boring. And my wife says, you're right, kids. He has no sense of humor. But uh, we still, Baruch Hashem, have a beautiful, beautiful Ava relationship that's with giving. But she says, I'm not perfect. Right? Anyhow, so um, I want to share with you uh, a piece from Dave Barry. You guys know who Dave Barry is? Goodness, I'm dating myself. Dave Barry, Once Upon a Time, I guess it's Once Upon a Time. I didn't realize it's Once Upon a Time until I, until I started saying over this piece from Dave Barry. He is, was, he obviously was, because you guys don't recognize him, a famous comedian. Um, and I want to discuss with you something that I think will resonate with most, most of you, which all re- relates to this pasuk of love after marriage. I think it's connected to this. And then we've got to get to, we have time, two more lessons from the from the puzzle. 
here, here's how Barry describes the name, the name of the, I guess how to describe it, it's the name of the, the stand-up com- comedy routine that he was doing was called What Women Want. My father, a thoughtful man, once gave my mother on their anniversary an electric blanket. He honestly could not understand why when she opened the box she gave him that look. After all, this was the deluxe model electric blanket with an automatic thermostat. What more could any woman want? The mistake that my dad made, this is a very important episode, and that many guys make, was in thinking that when you choose a gift for a woman, to choose a gift that should be useful. Wrong. The first rule of the first rule of buying a gift for a woman is that the gift should not do anything. Or if it does, it should do it badly. Let's consider two possible gifts. Gift number one. A state-of-the-art gasoline-powered lantern with electronic ignition and dual mantles capable of generating 1,200 lumens of light for 10 hours. By the way, many people in New York, humor aside, wish they have that. On a single tank of tool, that's gift number one. Gift number two. A scented beeswax candle containing visible particles of bee poop and providing roughly the same illumination as a lukewarm corn dog. To a guy, gift one is clearly superior because you can use it to see in the dark. To a woman, gift two is much better because women love to sit around in the gloom with reeking, sputtering candles. Don't ask me why. All I'm saying is that this is the kind of thing a woman wants. That's why the ultimate gift is jewelry. It's absolutely useless. If you think about it, Rabbi what Barry is driving at is a fascinating, fascinating phenomenon. And that is, it's amazing. The gifts that women appreciate the most are the things, God willing, every single one of you are going to get engaged, you're going to buy some type of engagement ring. It's almost universally accepted. Some people spend tens of thousands of dollars on a rock, a tiny rock. It doesn't make any sense. So what's the shot? What is, what's going on? How did, how did it evolve this way? You know what the answer is? It comes from a tremendous chachmah in women. It comes from their bina yaseira. And you know what that, yeah, it really does. You're laughing at me, but I believe it comes from their bina yaseira. And I'll explain to you why. The woman wants to know that her husband is buying her something that is absolutely because he loves her and for no other purpose at all. And that's the key. In her Bina Yaseira, she knows that the key to a beautiful Jewish home is if she gets her husband to show Ava that has no conditions attached whatsoever. That's the lumdus. That's the pshat. What? What's that? You still don't get it. Well, that we're gonna get. We're gonna get. To, we're gonna get to it later. That men are men are still from Mars and women are still from Venus. But that's but that's definitely the pshat. We could argue more later. But it's definitely the pshat. 
And that is that the key, it sends us a tremendous, tremendous lesson. Don't worry, I won't buy you a diamond ring next week. But it sends us a tremendous, tremendous lesson. And that is, and that is, the tremendous lesson is the following. That the key to Ava is an absolute giving where there's no sense of getting anything back, but is being done for the reason of wanting to show that you care. Which brings me to the second point, Rabosa. And here we get, of course you don't understand them. You know why? Because you were made on one galaxy, and they were made on another galaxy. You were made on one planet, and they were made, men are from, most definitely, men are from Mars, and women are from Venus. Let's get to the second example of that, though. In this Pasuk, when it's described Yitzchak and Rivka falling in love with each other, there's no mention whatsoever in the Pasuk of any conversation between the two. It's just that they were together. No talk. Rabosai, I think there's a tremendous, tremendous lesson over here. Tremendous lesson. And this is a lesson not only vis-a-vis marriage, I think it's also a very, very, very important lesson as far as the way you and I interact. Pure midos. People think that the most important part in communication between husband and wife is that the husband knows how to say the right things. I want to be mechadesh tonight that it's not to know how to say the right things, it's no, to know how to listen right. Not how to talk right, how to listen right. And if you think about it, maybe some of you, not passing judgment on you, maybe some people you know, in high school they might have been very, very smooth talkers with girls. And you know that the, you sow the key. Anybody, It's so easy to say the words, I love you. Those are easy words to say. That's not really where it's at. How does a person really, really show that they care about somebody? It's not what they say to them. It's how they listen to them. When I was in graduate school in Columbia, they showed us what was in then, in, uh, in therapy, was the following, following uh, style of therapy that was introduced by Carl Rogers. Rogers introduced what's known as client-centered therapy. And when I was in graduate school, it was one of the most popular therapies, in fact, one of the most expensive therapies. The truth is, I don't think it's that hard to train in it. If you listen closely, you could become a Rogerian psychologist yourself pretty quickly. What Carl Rogers introduced, and it was amazing how popular it became. He was Cholek Vahamevin Yovin on Freud's Mahalach. He was Cholik on Skinner. Any of those of you who are familiar with psychology, fine. If not, it's okay. It's not important right now. And he said the following. He said that the most important thing is not for an analyst to analyze. The most important thing for a therapist to do is to show the client that they understand what they're saying and to repeat it back to them in an intelligent way. So what Carl Rogers would do is he would sit in therapy with the client and 
he would repeat what they were saying. So a client would come in and say, Carl, I had a really tough day today. I'm really angry. And he would just say back to them, say, I, say you're, I see you're really upset. What happened to, to you today was really frustrating. And he would say, yeah, my boss asked me to do something that was so unfair. And he would say, I hear that you're saying that you're having difficulty with your boss. Now there's a chachma of how you read into what the person's saying and say it back to them. But that's the whole thing. And that's what they would do for an hour, and then they would drop 300, 400 bucks on tail. It's not bad, no? You get 300, 400 bucks just to basically repeat what the other guy is saying. But Rabosai, you know why that form of therapy has become so popular? Think about the lives. Baruch Hashem, you've removed yourself for a year or two or three from that society that we were all from. But think about it. Once upon a time, not so long ago, 120 years ago, someone lived in the prairies in America, even people who lived in New York. But let's talk about people in the prairies. What happened? The men would go out when the sun came up. They would go out. They would cut a little bit of wood for the firewood at night. They would try to hunt and bring home some food. And when they finally got a catch, they would, they would salt it and so on and so forth. And they would try to, try to preserve the meat as long as possible. That was life. Now what happened at, when the sun go down today? At 5 o'clock. At 5 o'clock, it started getting dark. By 6, it was pitch black everywhere. No one was outside. What was everybody doing? And they weren't SMSing, and they weren't writing emails, and they weren't watching cable television. You know what everybody in the world was doing at 5 o'clock? Almost everywhere, except in a few metropolitan places. They were home, by the fireplace. If they were lucky to cut down enough trees, it was warmer. If they weren't as lucky, it was a little bit colder. And they were sitting with their family, reading a little bit of Psalms, maybe a little bit of the Testament, and talking to each other. There were no phone calls. There was nothing. We are now part of a generation where so many things are happening at once. There are many negative consequences of that. But I believe the most significant negative consequence is that people don't listen to each other anymore. Not only it's important for me to listen to you to be able to learn lessons from you, but for you to feel that you're being heard and understood is so, so, so important. And no one is listening to anyone to the point, amazing, that someone will drop $400 for an hour for someone to listen to them. That's it, it. That's the whole business. I can tell you, I took the course. That's the whole story. That's the whole thing. But in our generation, this is what's missing. And Hashem Yirachim, if there's a woman... Be'ezer Hashem, I beg of you, please, every single one of you are going to marry a special person. She'll have strengths and she'll have weaknesses. But there's one major responsibility. It's not the only, but there's one major responsibility that you have. And that is to make sure that she feels that she's heard and understood by you. And it's a big challenge because you're from Mars and she's from Venus. By the way, I highly recommend Jim Gray's book. The only thing is, I want to point out Rabbi Ginsburg, he's a Rebbe Michalan in Tivari. He's pointed out that the byline of the book, you know, you have the title of the book, 
then you have a byline of the book. The byline of the book says how to get the most out of your marriage. It's interesting. Jim Gray's been divorced. It's an amazing book. He's been divorced at least two times. The world's biggest expert on marriage has been divorced. Sir so Ginsburg said beautifully. You know why? He understood men and women fine. But it was the attitude, how I could get the most out of my marriage. Ah. So then, if you look at it from the selfish perspective, how can I? So of course it's going to destroy the marriage. Even someone who's a tremendous chacham, and I believe he's a chacham. I haven't seen anything yet in the Jewish market by someone who, most of us, don't live marriage that way. How can I get the most out of my marriage? And so therefore I still recommend the book, but whenever I recommend the book, I make that point. That he's been divorced twice, and there's going to be nuances in the book that are going to be selfish. But nevertheless, the observations about Mars and Venus are amazing observations. Points out Jim Gray the following Yisot. And that is, that when it comes to, when it comes to men, if you think about it, when your friend comes back in the do- to the dorm room at night, and he's describing a problem that he had. Let's say Shana Al-Chavrus is driving him crazy, right? So he comes back to you. So you're not going to sit back and say to him, you know, Cheski, yeah, I hear it's really hard. It's bothering you a lot. What are you going to do? You're going to try to solve it. You're going to try to solve it. Men, when they encounter a problem, they put on their fix-it hats. What they want to do is solve the problem. They pull out their tools. That's what they want to do. They want to solve the problem. In Venus, they don't pull out tools. You know what they do? They talk about it. And they talk about it. And they talk about it more. And what they do is they find comfort in knowing that someone is listening to the problem. Classic case. A woman comes home 6 o'clock at night and complains to her husband. She says to him, Danny, I had a terrible day. I gotta tell you what happened. You know, after you went to work, ten to nine the babysitter was supposed to come. Nine o'clock I start walking to the train. I get a train at nine twenty, then I go to Manhattan, start my job, and then I go shopping at one o'clock, and then I'm going back to pick up the kids. You know the whole routine. And you know what happened? The babysitter came late. And because the babysitter came late, so then I missed the train, and because I missed the train, I had to stay later at work. And because I had to stay later at work, I couldn't go shopping. And because I I I couldn't go, and then I came home late, and then this, this led to that and that to that. The guy's listening to it, Danny, who's a very sincere guy. He's listening to it, and as she's describing, he's getting really upset. You know, this babysitter blew my wife's day, my wife who I love. Talking about good people, we're not talking about, he, he loves his wife. So she, 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 so he starts getting up, and he's saying, I'm going to call Rifki the babysitter. And he starts calling, I'm telling you, she can't, please don't come late, I'll pay you an extra, extra $10 every day not to come late. Or he'll, or he'll tell her strongly, please don't come late. Either way, he gets up to the phone and he turns around, and there she is, his wife is crying. Second he turns around, and he wonders what happened. You know what happened, Rabbi Osai? What happened was, first of all, girls are going to cry, and that's fine. But there's something else, there's something else that... Uh, Right? It's my party. I can cry for one, if I recall. Um, uh, but there's, some, there's, something else that, that's, there, there's something else that's at play as well. And that is, he didn't spend enough time 
really listening to her. He wanted to solve the problem. Rabosai, one of the most important things for each other, and Kalvachomer, Be'ezer Hashem, when we get married, is the ability to really, really, really listen and realize that that's something that's really missing in our world. Number three, last lesson from the Pasuk, and here comes probably the most controversial part of tonight. The Briskarov made an amazing diuk in the language of the Targum. The Pasuk said, Says the Targum Unklis, and Yitzchak took her to the house and he saw that she did exactly what Sarah did. And then he married her. In other words, maybe he just saw in five minutes the way she, the way she did something was exactly the way Sarah had done. It's an interesting question because it says only afterwards he married her. And and they became husband and wife. What's extra in the words of the Targum that you don't see in the Pasuk? He saw, He saw that she did exactly what Sarah Imenu had done. Rabosai, I missed last week, but when I, the most issues I said last week, which you could see online in Y.U. Torah, in Gross. I spoke about, I'll just say over one part of it in two minutes. I said over the difference between Avimelech and David HaMelech. When they say almost the same words, one says it one way, one says it the other way. And I think that's going to be at the key, as the Briskarov explained, for what Yitzchak sees in Sarah. Here goes. Last week's parsha. well, two... How do we describe it? Parshas Vayera. Avimelech says to Avram, the guys just asked me right before I came, we came into the shmuz. They asked me about Paro and Avimelech. So it's a whole shmuz about the difference between Paro and Avimelech. Check it out over there. Avimelech, when he abducts Sarah, there he says, Takash Baruchu, why are you punishing me? I did it with a pure heart and clean hands. And Kodesh Baruch Hu responds, I know that you did it b'sam levavcha. I know that you did it with a pure heart. Says Rashi, but your hands aren't clean. Why? If a person did something bonus, his hands are also clean. What do you mean his hands are not clean? So he pointed out that David HaMelech says the exact inverted order of Avimelech. When you put back the Sefer Torah, we say, Mizmar David. Who's going to be Ola Bahar Hashem? Miki Chapayim Uvar Doesn't say someone who's pure of heart and then their actions are pure, but the other way around. Their actions are pure and then their heart is pure. You know what Avimelech's mistake was? <coughs> Avimelech said, We have an ethical system. Gror was the height of civilization. And therefore, we had a rule that you're not supposed to be with a married woman. Of course I wouldn't have violated that rule. What does Avram Aminu say to Avimelech? This I heard from my Rebbe Meshach, may have a Shalom or a Branch Spiegel. He said, what does Avimelech say? Avimelech says, Rak, I'm sorry, Avram Aminu say to Avimelech afterwards, Rak and Yiras 
If you think that your intellect, and I'm talking to every single one of us, your intellect, you can rely on it. Avraham Avinu says, the mind that makes it is the mind that's going to break it. If you don't have Yerushamayim, if it doesn't start with an instinct of Yerushamayim, even when we don't understand that we develop our instincts of Yerushamayim, said ultimately it's not going to last. The mistake of Avimelech was that he started He says that he's doing it with a pure heart. But he doesn't put his actions first. David Amelech says the opposite. He speaks about his guf first. Clean hands. And then uvar levav. And then a pure heart. Now let's go back to Rivka. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as Eliezer describes, sent a message that she is an amazing girl. Her chesed is amazing. And every single part of Eliezer's tefillah was answered. But you know what? Yitzchak says, it's not enough. A girl who's sincere, here's the controversial part, a girl who's sincere, a girl who's a balas chesed, for sure chesed is the most important factor. That's what Eliezer looks for. But Yitzchak doesn't finish the deal until he sees that her actions are in the derech hamasona. It's not enough to have besom life, a pure heart. It has to be in the hands. The nikyon kapai, the actions, also have to be bederach hamasora. A girl who, go, who got really turned on and excited in Israel, and she davens along Shmona Esrei, and she stays up all Shavuos night, and all these great, fantastic things, which are really, really, really fantastic. And I don't, I, mean, I don't mean to take away one iota. But that's sometimes not enough. What we need to build a bias day in and day out of Kedusha is a person who has holy instincts as well. Who has a niki chapai. It's not enough to simply have the sincerity for us as well. We have to work on those instincts. Reishis Chachma Yeres Hashem. Before our tremendous learning, we have to be working on a Yeres And we have to look for a girl who has that. And I'll be blunt. That means, when I'm talking, what, what is the myriad of examples? I have zillions of things that I could bring out. But let's talk in very, very practical terms. A person who's very, very sincere, at the end of the day, I want to make sure, encourage you, that it be a girl that if you come into a position of chas v'chalil yichud, or the Yitzhahara raises itself, that she has the holy instincts of Nechich HaPaymi. You know why? Because I don't trust you, and I don't trust myself. The reason I don't trust you is because I don't trust myself. Nechich HaPaymi Uvar Every single one of us has to work on that, but that's also the third component that I want to share with you from this Pasuk. It's not enough to have only sincere motivations. It has to start also with your Shemayim. And that applies, God willing, I'm planting a seed now for when you're dating in three, four years from now. Okay, maybe a little bit shorter. But, uh, but uh, 
whenever the time, the right time, the right time should be, whenever the right time should be. But I'm also emphasizing in the Musar Shmuz that I missed last week. As Rabbos said, don't just be learning and learning and learning. I love learning. I love it. And it's Talmud Torah is connected Kulam. But when you got up in the morning, you said, Rashis Chachma Yeres Hashem. And that means that a person has to work that his guf be naki. Naki doesn't mean perfect, but he has to begin to develop those holy instincts. Dovr Amel says, Avimelech has that gaiva, where he says, No, I know that my motivations were sincere. I know that my calculations were sincere. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, That's not what gets us through the struggles with the Sahara, Because the mind that makes it, is the mind that breaks it. That we should internalize these three things. Number one, is that the root of Ava is a giving. Avas Nesun is a giving of 24-7. And now we understand the lambdas of why women's gifts are useless. Number two, <laughs> number two is why listening is so, so, so important and so you sow it in terms of marriage and the Torah doesn't record in this love relationship between Yitzchak and Rivka their conversation because it's more about noticing and listening and number three is that the Targum adds that it wasn't just about the listening and it wasn't just only about the giving before they married each other one of the things that Yitzchak looked for, says the Briskarov, were those holy instincts and finally, once we brought up her holy instincts, I'm challenging you as well. Have you spent this time working on your lave, what your priorities are in terms of ideas, what are your system of ethics? You've changed many of the assumptions in your life that you've had up until now, which is great, but it's, that's not the only thing. What's an example of developing holy instincts? When you get up to get a little bit of food in the lunchroom, how many times do you think to get for somebody else? When you're sitting and learning and you're a little bit thirsty, do you automatically run to get a drink? Say, wait a second. Amilitasis. Wait a second. I'm eating. I'm only thinking about myself. Those aren't fancy thoughts. Those aren't deep thoughts. But that's how a person becomes a tzaddik. Kodesh Baruch Hu give us a siyat and the to be tzaddikim and Beza Hashem, Bizocha to marry Nashim Sukanios, and with that we'll build a Migdash Ma'at.